This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. Um, this hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And the goal that we have is to provide our listeners the real facts and the real stats about our local market. We want to provide you with information that will help you make informed decisions. To help me out today, we uh, all the way from the State Assembly Office, we have Assemblyman Jim Patterson of the 23rd District. Hello, Jim. Good to be with you. Okay. And I notice that you're not nervous at all because uh, <laughs> you, you uh, have a little experience with radio. Can you tell us about that? Uh, 30 years uh, owning and operating radio stations, uh, red stations in Fresno, uh, Boise, Idaho, uh, Bakersfield over on the coast in San Luis Obispo. Uh, and uh, yeah, I wanted to be in broadcasting from the time I was in high school. And actually, um, when I was a senior in high school, I actually uh, had a, a on-air shift at a little FM station. I was up in the Bay Area, grew up there in South San Francisco, and I went to a high school that had preschool PE, so I ended up getting out early, going and, and, and doing my shift. So ever since then, and Sharon and I got married then in uh, uh, 1967. We moved to Fresno 68, been here ever since, and... Uh, Owned radio stations, was the mayor for a while, and now up in Sacramento, and uh, here with you, one of my good friends. All right. Well, thank you. And um, uh, how old were you when you got started? Sixteen? <laughs> no, I was, a, I was a, a senior in high school, probably, what, 18 or 19. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, you, so I don't have to worry about you being nervous or anything. <laughs> No, you have to you have to worry that uh, I have microphone mouth and I'll run off and you know, <laughs> yeah. not not know when to stop. <laughs> well, we 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 will have commercial breaks every once in a while. <laughs> um, well, yeah, it, that was one of the things. Uh, oftentimes, I would be, I would have to stop talking in order to do the commercials because if I didn't do the commercials, I wouldn't have the job. <laughs> ah, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> good point. Good point. Um. All right, tell us uh, about your Assembly District 23. Well, it, this it's a new one coming in in uh, uh, this next election. So not to get too much in the weeds, but... Because uh, you were 22. No, 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 no. Uh, Assembly District 23. Uh, we had reapportionment, all right? Reapportionment every 10 years, the, the uh, census comes out, and you have to redraw the lines. Well... Central California and Fresno really got screwed over with that. Uh, the city's been chopped up with not, we don't have one congressman, we now have, I think, three. Uh, the assembly districts were chopped up an awful lot. And what they tried to do was to make what were, were called in our area uh, super majority minority districts, meaning they were looking uh, to up the uh, accumulated uh, residents and voters, uh, p predominantly Hispanic in Central California. Well, that's like trying to make a jigsaw puzzle of this area. And so there's a whole lot of stuff left over, right? So there, there are these districts now that are 55% uh, Latino. In order to grab the 
different populations, uh, they had to draw some really weird kind of lines. Well, the leftovers are districts like my new one. It's now the Assembly District 8. So in order to have one person, one vote, you have to have the same amount of people in a district. That's about 500, 550,000. So most of Fresno Clovis is in the district. This new district is District 8. But what they did, because they were looking for additional population, because I, some of the south part of the, of the city went to another district in the reapportionment, they had to go find population. And the way they did that was they stretched this district across the San Joaquin River, all the way up to Sonoma, across the Sierra Nevadas, to the Nevada border, uh, from Bridgeport uh, to Bishop. I even represent now Death Valley. It is probably the second largest geographic area. Uh, and it's a new district for me only in the sense that uh, there are, where the media market in Fresno, the TV and the radio doesn't reach, uh, that's new to me. Uh, the media market is is larger than just the city of Fresno. It, it, gets, it obviously goes into Madera, it goes south, it goes to where people can hear and see it. And so what we have is just a very, a huge district where the fundamental primary vote base still remains Fresno Clovis. Now, the good news is I fly a small airplane, and so I can get around to some of these areas. If you try to get to the eastern side of the Sierras, like get like the June Lake Loop or Mammoth Mountain or Bridgeport, those areas, it's five-and-a-half-hour drive. My little airplane from Fresno over to, let's say, Bridgeport or Levining or Mammoth Mountain, 38 minutes. <laughs> now, you're talking to a guy that loves to drive in all those places you talked about. I know exactly yes. where they're at because I've been there. I'm, I'm kind of a geography nut. Yeah. So geographically, I'm thinking, this makes no sense. But uh, but, but now that but, I know but, you but, have the, the, air, the pilot's license, yeah. ah, it makes sense. It, it, <laughs> so I've been, I have been spending a good deal of time up in the, these new areas. Um, but I get a huge new swath of, of forest area. So I don't have Madera, but I have a big chunk of Madera County. I don't have Chowchilla, but I have a big chunk near Chowchilla. So the population that I have is very sparse and rural uh, in the northern part of that district across the San Joaquin River. Well, why was that? They needed to pick up some population, but they couldn't overpopulate the district by moving me into Madera city limits or Chowchilla city limits. I know that's arcane and what the heck were they thinking, but that's the reality. So my final uh, two-year term is coming up in the legislature. I was elected uh, uh, in 2012. Uh, we have 12-year term limits. And so come the end of uh, 2024, I'm coming home. And we'll see what I do then. I was just thinking, should I ask you, what are you going to do? But <laughs> if you're like me, two years away, that's a long time. <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, uh, and I you know, I just am grateful for uh, the life that Sharon and I were able to, to build together, uh, the, the broadcast years, the political years. Um, Sharon and I have been married 55 years. We've got, you know, three adopted kids. That's been a real blessing in our lives. I do all the adoption legislation for the state of California. And uh, this area and people here have just been so, so good to us. We, and so we have a lot of choices. I mean, I, if I want to ride off into the sunset and retire, we can do that. Uh, but I, don't. I, I, can't, 
I yeah, you're right. You're right, Don. Waking up on a Monday morning and saying, do I tinker in the garden? Do I go bowling or play golf? <laughs> no, I think I want to. I, I still, I like, uh, God's blessed me with really good health. I still have energy. Um, and so who knows? I, yeah. But we have choices and options, and people have been talking to me about the possibilities of some other things outside of politics. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Just you're keep, right, two years is a long, long time. Yeah, whatever you do, keep serving the community because yeah. you're doing good at it. I appreciate that. And here when I said that, you know, two years is a long time for me, I, I never make a commitment that long. Keep in mind I've been in this business 47 years, been at the same company 27 yeah. years. One of my heroes was Tommy Lasorda, manager <laughs> of the Dodgers. He would not sign a long-term contract. He just signed like 24 of them six <laughs> one-year contracts and but you talk about stability and commitment well, and you loyalty. know throughout the years that's that's been sort of the life i've lived i mean I, my contract uh, as mayor ran out every four years my contract as a member of the legislature for this area runs out every two years and they're called elections <laughs> so right. i really and i i am very grateful for people who have returned me to office i i have had the privilege of of, of being successful in, in every general election I've ever contested, and I have never had to run a negative ad ever, and I won't do that. Oh, thank I, re- you. I, 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 can you have? Are you listening and watching on TV these days? I mean, that there's a there's a political air war going on, right? Yeah. People are dropping bombs on each other like crazy. Sharon and I, I mean, we watch six o'clock news oftentimes together, and we sit and say, I got to turn this off. I mean, it's one after another. Every it, everybody's a crook. Everybody's uh, you know evil. Every and I'm sorry, I, that's not what voters are interested in. Voters want to want to know if I give my vote to you, what will you do, and can I trust you to do it? That's it. That's and right. So I'm look. I'm a Reagan Republican. I really believe that Republicans need to be more about what we stand for, what we are for, rather than what we are against, and we need to be more aspirational and lift people up and say uh, we can turn things around so that free people in a free society, no matter who you are, what color of your skin, no matter the circumstances, you'll have every opportunity to rise just like everybody else. And I, I think my party, in many instances, I'm afraid, is missing the, the, the Reagan possibility. Yes, Ronald Reagan would say about, you know, when he ran for governor, well, we've got some problems in the state, but, and he would pivot. Imagine what we could do if. When he ran for president, I mean, we had the Jimmy Carter malaise, the double-digit unemployment, the double-digit inflation. I mean, I bought my first radio station in Fresno when interest rates were 18%, 1974 or 5. And all I'm saying is uh, I really believe that there is a, a um, strong, uh, forceful, uplifting, persuasive, political message that people like me and other Reagan Republicans have. And I'm hoping that, you know, we'll learn that lesson. I hope our, our candidates are so inclined. We'll see, but we do have to be very serious about rebalancing the political circumstances in, in California. Or we're going to get more bills like the one we're going to talk about here in a, in a while. We have to rebalance this. And so I'm working hard as the, on the election team of our, of our caucus. I think we might pick up a couple of seats and get to 20 or 22, maybe, cross your fingers. But I, I, I really wish we would be more optimistic, forward-looking. Um, 
I am conservative because what is what do conservatives really think about and why do we say we are conservative? We have learned down through the corridors of time that there are good ideas that help people and there are bad ideas that hurt them. And we have learned that there are really good ideas, free markets, uh, our Constitution, free people in a free society, uh, limited government, separated powers. And so what we, what as a conservative, I want to conserve the very best of what America is and what California once was and use that to look forward. And I said this before that uh, C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, The Chronicle of Narnia, Surprised by Joy, uh, Screwtape Letters, a, a wonderful writer, but also kind of a f- philosopher as well. He said this, and I think this is apt for California. We all want progress, but when we're on a pathway that takes us farther and farther away from where we want to go, then the most progressive of men are those who turn back the soonest. That's what conservatives want us to do. Not to turn back to Neanderthal days of, of, of you know, what the left wants to consider conservatism. We want to see the values, the, the, the approaches, the governing principles that freed people, launched them, helped them, and, and was the wind beneath their, their wings. And we use a look at history to inform the future so that we can take those great ideas that really worked for generations and try to convince people that it is that change we're looking for. And I think uh, uh, another way to say conservative is maybe not changing direction so, uh, along with the trends. In other words, this worked, let, let's stay with that. Yeah. But now we got to go to what used to be your favorite part of radio, <laughs> and that is the commercial break. <laughs> so All stay right. tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESP. Ah, I was about to say ESPN. It's Uh-oh. K-Y-N-O. <laughs> Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And here in the studio with us today uh, is Assemblyman Jim Patterson of the 23rd Assembly District here in California. But after November election, it will be the 8th Assembly District. The 8th Assembly District. All right. Well, it'll be, uh, maybe the roll call will go a little quicker for you. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, if you could give me and all our listeners a little civics class yeah. how how do things become law how, how does the california government work because it looks like some things we make it a law through the ballot propositions um other things have to go through the assembly the state senate well, there's a, yeah there this is a, this is all a part of uh, kind of the separated powers uh this, uh, the Constitution of the state of California goes back uh, where uh, awful lot of what's in our Constitution now is, is, is mirrored in the United States Constitution, separated powers. So we have a Senate, we have an assembly, we have a judiciary, and we have the governor. That is similar to the president, to the House of Representatives, to the Senate in Washington, and to the, 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 the federal courts. Uh, unfortunately, Don, you ask a serious question. I'm going to give you a serious answer. Um, we have one party extremist rule now in the state of California. And this is not the Democrat Party of John F. Kennedy. This is not the Democrat Party that built the, the made, made our major highways in California, that built our, our water structure. 
Those, those actually were done by Republicans and Democrats uh, year, decades ago. Uh, and yet today, we have a, a party in power that, in my judgment, is essentially decivilizing California and deconstructing it. What do I mean by that? Look at the crime rates. Look at what we're doing in, in supposedly uh, public safety. We're, we're, we're letting people out left and right. Right, I mean, th th we're making it very difficult for DA Smith Camp to do her her job. Uh, this, uh, uh, you know, no bail. We're, I mean, people up in San Francisco are doing terrible crimes, and they're out the next day. So when I say decivilizing, if you really lift the protective uh, umbrella of of effective public safety, lots of other things fall apart. And so, and then I, then also, I think we're deconstructing. What do I mean by that? Jim, these are pretty strong words. And I'll get to the process in a minute. But one, think about this. This is California. We're, we're the fifth or sixth largest economy in the planet. And we don't have enough water to take care of our people, food and people. You know, water is a housing concern. Absolutely. We're, and I'm we're gonna, concerned. And, I, and, and I'm con connecting that too. Secondly, we have an electricity shortage. Now, what does that sound like to you when we have a water shortage and an electricity shortage? I'll tell you what it sounds like to me, third world country. Mm. I traveled a, a, a lot in the, in the 80s and early 90s, and one of my trips was to Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Ethiopia was a garden state until a revolution by a Stalinist uh, regime took it over. And then if you remember, it was We Are the World, 7 million people were starving. And I was in Addis Ababa uh, dur during that uh, that, that period of time. And we went, the only decent hotel in the, in the whole state capital was the Hilton Hotel. And as we drove up to the Hilton Hotel and we checked in, it said, uh, water is available only from you know noon to three, electricity is only available. Now, I'm not saying we're there yet, but I want you to think about this. I'm the vice chair of utility and energy. I have been warning about our electricity grid getting more and more expensive, but less and less reliable. And if you see what has been going on, we've been told, uh, you know, that we're going to run our economy on wind, solar, and batteries. Well, guess what? You can't run a big economy. And so we have had these rolling brownouts. We've had these flex alerts. We are now being told by the governor in this last go-around, uh, don't charge your electric vehicle. Right? For four or five, six days, we had these... We had hot weather. We had lots of, of air conditioner use. Uh, and we're, we're now telling people, it, it's called uh, time of use rates. We're now telling people from 4 o'clock in the afternoon until like 9 o'clock at night, if you use your electricity, we're going to charge you a whole lot more for it because we want, this is what the government, wa government wants, they want you to not use your electricity there. Be you know why? Because we don't have the supply because the wind doesn't always blow, the sun doesn't always shine, and the batteries get depleted. Well, even Governor Newsom has now had to admit that the, and I've been warning about this for 10 years, and finally, he should have done this two years ago. He should have done this five years ago. He shouldn't have done it actually in the first place, which was shut down Diablo Canyon, nuclear power that accounts for 10% of the electricity on our grid. He now led the effort. I voted for the bill to keep it open. Now, he was forced to do it. He didn't do it because he had a ha moment that we'd been doing wrong things in California. He knew that if he wanted to have any chance of having a 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue address, he could not let California go, go brown, 
black, uh, uh, electricity brownouts, all, all, you know, those, those kinds of things. That, that, that's number one. But number two, all these coastal uh, plants that are natural gas uh, that cool with uh, seawater. Seawater comes in, it cools it off, and then it goes back out. Those were scheduled to be closed uh, four, five, six years ago. That's another 10% of the available baseload electricity to keep the lights on. You take that away and Diablo Canyon away, you're taking 20% of the electricity. Well, even Gavin Newsom is, can every now and then stumble onto something that's, that makes some sense. And so the legislature, uh, uh, we're keeping Diablo Canyon on another five years. We'll probably renew it again. Those once through cooling plants up and down the coast, um, they're, they're going to continue. We're going to continue to save our natural gas in the Aliso Canyon. Uh, that's down in Southern California. It's an underground storage for, for natural gas. That uh, People down there wanted to close it. All because we're doing all of these things because we have greenhouse gases that, we, that we've got to control. And that's been a knee-jerk reaction that has made it much more difficult for people uh, to afford to live in California when... When water is expensive and scarce, when electricity is expensive and, and scarce, when fuel is expensive, I mean, it's $6 a gallon in California now, what does that do? That is inflationary. It, 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 it is unfair, absolutely, to the very people that the Democrats say they care about, the working mom with two kids, right, trying to make a living and, and driving a 10-year-old car, gas at $6. What's their solution? Ride the bus. Ride the bus with two kids and two strollers and three, two jobs? So we are deconstructing the California that I was born into, and we're decivilizing it with, with our decriminalization, and it, it, there's chaos in the streets. Thank you for that explanation, because now I understand what you mean by deconstruction. Yeah. When you first said that a few minutes ago, I, I was, wasn't sure what you were referring to, but yeah, I could see it. We've built this infrastructure, uh, we haven't modernized it. Living. We have not modernized it. We have not maintained it. But what else we have done is that the party in charge has used its ideology to deconstruct our water system and our electricity system because they've said you can't use all the electricity that California produces. There are good uh, electrons and there are bad electrons. And we're not going to let you have bad electrons in California, they're, they're immoral electrons. We're only going to use the moral electrons, wind and solar and battery. Well, guess what? What are the electrons that are keeping the lights on in California? The very immoral ones, natural gas, nuclear, right, those kinds of things. That's the baseline that saves us when the sun goes down and the wind stops blowing. So th th there's foolishness going on up there, and they control how they make bills, and I'm telling you, uh, Maybe I, maybe I write a book about what I've seen in 10 years up there in Sacramento, but I think there is a, we make laws in corrupt ways up in California. Uh, the ideology of the hard left is in, is in charge. Uh, Newsom, I think, is a poser. I think he's a, he's a male model who thinks he's pretty and he pretends to be the governor. I mean, I, he is making really goofy decisions in my judgment, and it is hurting the very people that the Democrats say they care about. And we make laws... You, you would think, well, we sit, we're careful. We sit in front of the committees and they're carefully crafted and they're not. People throw mud on the wall. They insist that they write the bill that their ideology and the, the people behind them that are writing big checks and it ends up being pushed through. And even bad laws, 
that even some Democrats don't want to vote for come to the to the floor and good members, moderate Democrats that are friend of, friends of mine, I've watched them be pulled off the floor, taken to the back room, threatened that they would have their they would be they would be primaried, that they would lose budget, that they would lose their committees, and they come back in the room and vote for what the leadership wants, despite the fact that that they're angry about having to do it. That's corrupt government. And I'm going to make the case here. We have a system in which, if it was used properly, would be thoughtful, careful. Policy committees would be populated with people who were concerned about those issues and studied up on them and learned about them. It's not. This is purely an ideological uh, process that the Democrats have mastered, and they are shoving it to the people of California. Well, and I've always wondered, why are there so many party-line votes? Um, But what you're really saying is the party boss said, hey, either vote this way or you're going to be primary. You know, we'll put somebody up against you in the primary to beat you. So, Well, the the reality is we people who have – this is the interesting thing. The Democrats are populating the legislature and the Senate, quite frankly, with people that have never been in the private sector. Maybe they were a city councilman. Maybe they were some staffer. Maybe they were somebody with a nonprofit organization or something. Republicans populate our Senate seats and our assembly seats with people like me. We have been in the private sector. We have understood what government can do for you, but what it can also do to you. We understand that the separations of power are really important and the the geniuses of our, our founding fathers. Well, what do the Democrats want to do? Democrats want to shred the history of separated powers. They want to control absolutely the courts and the legislature and the governor's office. And look what we've gotten. A California that is really, I think, uh, shredding the dream of what it meant to be a a California. We, we We are losing population. People are leaving here by the scores. And bringing this back to to the real estate section, this is what I've seen. Keep in mind, I've been selling homes here in Fresno for decades. Um, people would move to California previously. Right now, I can't, uh, the last, I'm going to say four years, I cannot believe how much of my business is people saying, hey, can you sell my home for me? We're moving to Tennessee. We're moving to wherever. But it's out of California. And my grandpa uh, came to California in a a covered wagon uh, as a little baby, like 1890-something. I'm the last Patterson in California from his lineage. All my aunts, all my uncles, all my cousins, all my brothers and sisters, everybody. They're not in California anymore. Now, I'm here because my three kids are here. My four grandkids are here. I'm not going anyplace, number one and number two, Don. The bigger mistake would be for people like me not to try. Sooner or later, I hope the political pendulum starts to swing because even Democrat voters will start to see that their lives are not better because of those folks in Sacramento. It's worth 70% of the voters in California today, polling I just saw last week, consider California to be going in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. That's an indicator that there might be some change. Let's hope. All right. We do have to go to another commercial break, so stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. I'm proud of the house we built. It's stronger than sticks, stones, and steel. 
Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we're in the studio talking with Assemblyman Jim Patterson. Um, Jim is no stranger to radio, certainly no stranger to Fresno. Used to be the the mayor of Fresno for two terms, yep. right? We have four year, uh, two four-year terms, and then there's term limits. And then you can come back if you sit out a term. All right. Um, here's a local issue, and I'd like to ask you about it because in the beginning, I, I had a lot of, I'll say, misconceptions. Um, and that is Measure E. Yeah. And I'm looking at my ballot right here. Measure E is uh, regarding the California State University Fresno. And it says, shall the measure expand access and opportunities in nursing, agriculture, criminology, engineering, STEM programs, repair, upgrade academic and other campus facilities, provide safe drinking water, provide scholarships for local low-income students and veterans by establishing a 0.2% sales tax. So that's one-fifth of a penny. Uh, if my, mm-hmm. if I remember back let me from put math it, class. Let me put it in the context. Uh, if you if you go to Starbucks, get a five dollar uh, coffee. Uh, it's I think it's I think it's a penny. Yeah. The other thing, Don, is look. I've done my homework on this. All right. I mean, look. People know me, uh, and they know that I'm 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 very careful about what I what I support. And I have dug, I have dug into this in real detail. And the, um, so, so the, the bottom line is I ask myself, is this necessary? And I ask myself then, is this a, is this a reasonable request of voters? And then I ask myself, will this be accountable? In other words, uh, just like measure Z for the zoo, and just like measure C for our roads and highways and, and streets, there's an accountability oversight. There are audits that, that take place. And so I looked at all of this, and I asked myself, is this, is this, can this be done? Yes. Can it be done in the way that they've outlined it? And is there a uh, substantial set of benefits? Um, this is the interesting thing. It's 0.2 percent. Like I said, it's like it's a one cent on a five dollar latte. But this is what it produces: thirty-six million dollars a year, seven hundred and twenty million over twenty years. And one of the most renowned um, economists uh, uh, in the United States, quite frankly, but but is known uh, uh, to us is uh, Joseph Pembera. Uh, I've known. I mean, he. He helped me when I was mayor with a lot of tough decisions because he could then get me an, a, a, and my, my team an economic analysis. And if we make this decision, then is this um, likely? Um, we, over the 20 years of a life, this is going to create a 1,000 jobs a year, much of it in construction because of the facilities that need to be improved, those, those kinds of things. A thousand jobs a year, good paying jobs a year. We pat ourselves on the back be- for getting an Amazon that'll put a thousand jobs here one time. 
This is having 20 Amazons. See, I was wondering, where is the job component? Every, well, it, it's, it is, it, it is the, so the, the basic contention that some people have is why doesn't the state of California do this, right? I mean, it, 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 I've been in the legislature for 10 years. Every year I have had to fight for the kind of, of recognition that Fresno State has unique and circumstantial concerns that have to be addressed. And I'm a Fresno State alum. Yes, the, the, the university looks good from the outside, but the state of California, despite my pleas and I've made budget asks for those 10 years and been told no, right? Uh, and, and why? Why? Because it's Fresno, California, and there's a bunch of other members up there who are asking for special favors out of the CSU system for their universities, but they're in San Francisco and they're in the Bay Area and they're, you know, they're down in Los Angeles and they're all represented by Democrats. Let's just say we have serious deficiencies, not because the university didn't use its resources wisely, but because like so many other things, we have to fight for every penny that we get. And so the idea that the state of California is being fair to all their universities is nonsense. We have had serious problems with the air conditioning, serious problems with the, the water infrastructure at, at the university, the, the heating, the cooling, and all of that. And it's been deferred maintenance. That's, n- that's number one. Uh, uh, and number two, it, this is, I think this is going to do for the university that what Measure C did and what Measure Z did. Um, and if we are getting shortchanged by the CSU system, which I believe we are, and if you talk to the, to the current president, Saul, I mean, he, he'll, he'll say, we, 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 we go down there and we keep fighting for our, our share and we try to get recognition that Fresno State really needs some, some super help. And we still sort of, oh, that's fine. Okay, well, you, you'll, you'll, get, you'll get your share. Um, if we did not do Measure Z, what kind of a zoo would we have? I inherited, when I was elected mayor, a zoo that was in absolute freefall. It was an embarrassment. Why? Because the city operated it. And because it had to compete for the police and the fire and all of those other uh, possibilities. And that meant that we were wrestling all the time in budgets and all. What did we do? We pulled that out of the city. We essentially privatized it, gave it a reasonable stream of money, and then built a group of people around it that would use that money transparently, openly, promises made were promises kept, and look at the zoo we have today. Measure C, same way. We, this is what's called being a self-help county. And if we continue to be a flyover county, a county that's ignored by the people and the politicians up in Sacramento, then we're going to have to decide we're going to take our destiny in our own hands. And I argue that improving the university with, with like, you know, a penny on a, on a latte gives us all a chance to chip in and create a stream of revenue that is, is affordable, but it's going to do some very good things. It's, it's two-thirds academic, one-third on, on the facilities. And I would just say this, um, if you want 
If you want home values to stay high in a community, have a great university in the center of the city. It's the center of the city now. Didn't used to be. Oh, that's it's, a good it's point. It's basically yeah. in the and the and if you if you want the quality of life, if you want our students who live here to go to a good university and then stay here, it has to be a first class university. And if we can't get a first class university, it, it's good. But I think this helps it to become great. And there's going to be a very serious group of people with deep experience and oversight on these kinds of things. And we're going to audit it every year. So I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is I've done my homework on this. I, look, I, people know me. I'm, I, I, don't, I don't take taxes lightly. And, but when you look at it and say, okay, it's a small amount, but it has significant economic value, uh, Joe Penbera laid out what it does, and I'm thinking, wow, for for a penny, maybe a couple of pennies on a pizza, I I I get twenty thousand jobs, a thousand jobs a year. Those are the kinds of things I looked at, and I said, you know what, we can do this. And something that I've seen in my career in housing is Fresno State actually draws people to the area, whether they be from Bakersfield. Sure or maybe from Chicago, it draws people here, they get educated, they take on good jobs, yeah. and, and they'll, they'll stay here 50, 50, and invest yeah, in our community. 50% of the students at Fresno State right now are the first in their family generation to go to college, 50%. Wow. That's, do you realize that upward mobility and what that means, number one? Number two, 80% of them stay in the region. Like you, like you just mentioned. And I would also say this, we want, so we, we pass school bonds. I've supported school bonds, right? I live in the Clovis school district. They do wonders with the, with the, the school bond money that, that we, we give to them. Surest way to have your property values stay high is to have a good school in your neighborhood that is maintained, it, 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 it's new or it, they improve it over time. And so when you're selling real estate, right? If you're in the Clovis School District, you've got, a, you've got a value proposition there that's very, very strong. And I say this, I think that Fresno State is good. I think we can move it to some significant steps beyond. And it isn't, it's not a large amount. And quite frankly, I'm gonna tell you something else. It will really help me go back to Sacramento and advocate. Why? Because I can go back and say, we have taken this in our own hands. We now have some revenues. Let us match up federal revenues with state revenues, and let's start making sure that we have a, 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 a plant, a physical plant, and a space for our students as important as the students that occupy those spaces. And I think that's what this measure will do. All right, so you are encouraging people to vote yes, yes. on Measure E. Mm -hmm. And with that, we are going to our next commercial break, which... Jim has always liked so much those commercial <laughs> breaks. So um, stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio. Won't take nothing but a memory from the house that built me. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we're talking with Assemblyman Jim Patterson here. And uh, if you could tell us, 
also, because we thoroughly went through uh, Measure E, yeah. how about Measure C? Yeah. Now, the very first uh, political inv- in- involvement in my life was the uh, origination of Measure C, and that was back uh, in, in the 80s, um, prior to me being mayor. I sat on the Transportation Authority as mayor for eight years, and I and other members were instrumental in the layout of our systems that we have today. In other words, the 180, the 168, all of that. The bottom line is we're the fifth largest city in the state of California, and yet we can get around our community with relative ease. We do not have these huge traffic jams uh, that other large cities have. And I think that's a, a, that's a commentary on the success of Measure C, number one. Number two, if you don't vote for Measure C, if it fails, I'm going to have a horrible time continuing to press for additional lanes on 99 going north of here, right? Or to close that death trap on 41. Why? Because we use the Measure C money. And this isn't an additional tax. This is just the, the extension uh, and the use of it has been absolutely remarkable. We lever- leverage state funds, both locally and in the region. We leverage uh, federal funds. So if, if, if it fails, uh, this is going to make my job of representing this area to Caltrans and, and to the legislature nearly impossible. Because if you're a self-help county, you get paid attention to. If you are not, other self-help counties in regions in Northern and Southern California, they get all the state funds. So please, don't, don't tie my hands. Give me the resources necessary in order to do the things with our transportation that you've seen we've been able to do. I, I see what you're saying. So you can go to these, um, these other legislators and say, hey, we have chipped in already. Locally, we've put our yeah. our money where it, our it, mouth it's is. It's not really and now the le- we want, yeah, legislators. It's really the it's really like Caltrans, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've gotten a good relationship with the Secretary of uh, Transportation for the State of California, and he was instrumental in us getting the money to widen 41 that that death trap south of here. Remember that the governor's administration, uh, about a couple years back, simply cut out the funds for widening 99 from uh, Fresno toward Madera, and they cut out money for a a Tulare segment, right? We want to see three lanes north, three lanes south. We got those back, partly because we agitated, represented, but partly we had Measure C, which said, we're leveraging, we've got skin in the game, help us out. All right. So Measure C is a good thing. All right. Thank you for that commentary on that. Now, I would like to remind all our listeners that the Fresno Association of Realtors right now is sponsoring the Homewards Essay Contest. This is for school-aged children. There are three age categories from uh, grades 12 and under. Um, The question that we're asking the students to uh, do an essay on is, what does my home mean to me? And we have so many adults out there talking right now when asked that same question, they're talking interest rate, appreciation, um, equity. They're, they're talking things like that. It's really, really a eye-opener to listen to the kids. What does my home mean to me? And I happen to know a, a big kid that uh, has quite, he's an adult, 
but he has quite an opinion on what a home means to him. <laughs> Assemblyman Patterson, I called you a big kid. I hope you know I'm <laughs> joking. Right. No, I know but um, when it comes to this, you, you think pretty much like the kids. Yeah. Well, first of all, this is a real kudo uh, to the realtors in this area. Um, you know what it's like when you hand that key to that homeowner, particularly that first homeowner, what that means, right? And I saw it in our life, that first home in Fresno. I saw it in the lives of our three kids, and I'm hoping that that will be the real possibility of homeownership. For all the reasons you mentioned, obviously it's equity, it's one of the most significant ways that people can build personal wealth is, is, is in their home, but it is, much more than a house. And Sharon and I thought about downsizing and moving from our home to a different one. Our kids rebelled. And our grandkids rebelled. They said, Dad, Mom, Mimi, Papa, what are we going to do for Christmas? What are we going to do for Easter? What are we going to do for birthdays? What are we, I, I, want, I want to come to this house for a sleepover, Mimi. I don't want to go to another house. That's what a, a home means. Uh, it, it is a place of love. It is, it, it is a place for, in many instances, of safety. It is a place where uh, people look out for each other, brothers and sisters. Uh, you you got to go through me if you're going to get to my sister. Yeah. <laughs> right? and, and, it, and it's a time where, when I think back on, on our, we've been 38, 39 years in our present home. How many stories did we read to our kids in their bed at night? How many times did they come in the middle of the night and snuggle with us because they might have been a little afraid of some noise? Um, how, how many times uh, in our home um, did they look on a wall and see pictures and, that told stories about who we were and what we were about? And how many Christmases, how many special occasions? Uh, and I just think that's a great idea. And I think uh, no, no wonder you are getting the kind of response. Um, yes, adults, obviously we think in terms of, you know, like how, do, how, how do I afford it? How do I afford it? Uh, what's the interest rate? Right? We, we are the ones that, for our kids, do the kinds of things that turn a house into a home. And I'll just say this, this is how serious home living is for us. We looked at that house almost 40 years ago. We couldn't quite get into it. Back then they wanted 150000 for it. Wow. <laughs> okay. And well, that was a steep for, for us back in the in the 70s. And I remember when we got the home, and it took us a couple of years to basically, and it still was on the market. When we got the key, Sharon went into every single room and prayed for that room, for the kids that would be in it, for the lives that we would be living together, and she blessed the place. That's what a home means. Thank you so much. And I know our listeners are wondering, well, how can my kid get involved in this? Go to Fresno Realtor, Realtors. Ooh, I said it wrong. FresnoRealtors.com. Uh, that'll, and then on the webpage, on the front page, just scroll to the bottom. You're going to see the Homewards Essay Contest. When you click on that, you'll be able to, um, to go to do it. Uh, it does take parental consent, so the parent has to sign in, um, and then the, the uh, children can write a 150-word essay. 
please do that. And uh, we're going to, by November 15th, when the contest ends, we'll announce our winners. We're going to have some of them on the air with us. And I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in today and especially thank Assemblyman Jim Patterson for sharing your experience, your wisdom, and your knowledge with us. Thanks for all the realtors around here. You believe in property rights. You believe in turning houses into homes. You care about people, and it shows every transaction that you make, and I'm grateful for it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, We'll be back again next week. Stay tuned.